a world of what are yous, welcome to the place where the answer is always human. My name is Natalie and you're listening to Some Kind of Brown, a podcast about mixed and multiracial life, current events, and ways to build the best life by a southern girl who's trying to figure it out for herself. again beautiful people and welcome to another episode of some kind of brown today we have a special guest asian soap hello <laughs> and we're going to be talking about crazy rich asians yes i'm so excited um i i've listened to your podcast episodes and so far i'm really loving it um and i'm really glad we get to talk about this topic um having spoken to you a little bit it's cool that you actually have kind of lived in the asian uh I would say community a little bit, um, being surrounded by your Vietnamese and Taiwanese friends and also your crazy rich Singaporean ex-boyfriend. Whoa. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that was an experience and a half. <laughs> oh, I love that. But uh, for those of you who don't know me, um, my Instagram name is Asian Soph, Asian underscore Soph. But Natalie actually found me on a site that I admin on mixed present. Uh, it's a page it's for mixed people by mixed people, but we all actually talk a lot about political and social issues too. So it's not strictly just your average. Oh, look how pretty these people are in these photos, like fetishizing type pages. It's actual content. So yes. And that's why I actually follow that page. Cause I like to see, and I try to find people who are talking about these kinds of issues. Mm-hmm. It's so important. And I think, uh, we made a point to make sure we weren't a page that just contributed to the fetishizing of mixed race people, which a lot of pages do that. And a lot of pages actually don't have very great mixed race diversity either. So most of the time when we talk about mixed, a lot of people automatically default to black and white. And I personally, I'm half Japanese mm-hmm. and I'm also German, Scottish and Welsh. So I'm Asian and white. And that mix is often not represented. And so we've been, we were noticing a huge void and they actually brought me on to help be that Asian voice on the page to make sure they were representing everyone. And I think you're doing a very good job of that. Yeah, I mean, thanks, that's girl. how I found you. Um, so a, a little bit about me. I am Asian and white. I'm also an activist. I'm 25 years old. Uh, when I'm not, you know, smashing patriarchy and exposing and destroying bigotry. I do enjoy <laughs> sports, big football fan. Um, I do live in New England, so y'all can hate me, but I'm a Pats fan. I'm sorry. We do have the best quarterback. So, <laughs> and uh, I'm also a huge geek, but not your stereotypical Asian tech geek. I am into dressing up for Comic-Con and superheroes and comic books, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and also I like fitness. I played sports in college and stuff like that too. So Nice. Well, I'm not going to fight you on the sports teams because <laughs> I don't know the sports ball. So, But I'm with you on the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, Lord of the Rings is fabulous. I love Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I loved it. Yes. I think my nine-year-old self tried to learn Elvish once. That was, that was fun. It's so beautiful, but it's also kind of like a parcel tongue from Harry Potter. Slightly. <laughs> a little bit. So let's talk about this movie and why it matters to us. Yes. For you in particular. Yeah, well, obviously anyone who's followed the movie, it's the first all-Asian cast movie since 1993 when the Joy Luck Club came out. And that movie was really sad, by the way, if anyone's seen that. But this is huge. I'm 25 years old. That's basically my whole life of not seeing people who look like me, had stories like me, who were like me, and who were not stereotypical. 
anytime there was any Asians, they were usually a very minimal character and they were like the martial artists who never got the girl. They were never the hot guy in the movie or they were the nerd or they were good at ping pong or it was a martial arts movie that had to have Asians in it. So that's the only reason they were cast, you know? So there was Mm -hmm. never any character development for a lot of these characters. So it was very difficult to identify with anyone. And then um, this movie coming out has been amazing. I mean, we can look at the box office stats. According to The Hollywood Reporter, in the first three days, it made $25.2 million, and then $35.3 million in five days. Mm-hmm. And did you know box office experts actually originally pegged it to be a quote-unquote a minor hit at best, making $18 million over five days? And we basically nearly doubled it. And in the first nine days, it passed $50 million. They really pegged it as a minor? Yeah, because it's Asians. Girl, I wasn't surprised that someone said that. I was like, fine, you can doubt us, but... A for Asian for a reason, girl. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I am. I saw the hashtag gold open everywhere. All of my friends trying to promote this movie. The gold open was um, everyone was trying to aim for a 25 million opening weekend, mm-hmm. I believe, which they passed. I saw all the hype. I thought it really would do well. That surprises me that some people out there being like, oh, this Asian movie won't do that great. Yeah, honestly, it didn't surprise me. People have been kind of saying that and following that mantra for a little bit. But it was certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes at a 92%. So so it's good. It's a good movie. And what's important is it's just your basic rom-com. The characters don't have to be Asian. It could literally take place anywhere. It could be a story that takes place with any race. And it could still be the along the lines of the same story. That's all that the Asian community has wanted. People who are like them, who are not stereotypical. Mm -hmm. And that's what's been missing. And then on top of that, this has also been in conversation about how it's revamped the rom-com genre in general with, and it has a groundbreaking cast and groundbreaking subject matter as well. So, and there's a sequel in development too, which is also exciting. Yes. I'm so excited about that. But I believe this is the first Hollywood movie to ever have Asian leads in a rom-com. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think it's really important to see. Exactly. And I, and representation, if you don't agree that it's important, let me just break this down for you. I went to a 10.30 p.m. Friday night showing, and there was little old Asian granny sitting behind me in the theater. And I stood up and I looked into the eyes of a sea of Asians from multiple generations who were not only crying, they were laughing, they were smiling, they were cackling at how much they love this movie. This movie was just a token of iconography for the community. I've never sat in an American movie theater and watched an American made movie where there were two or more Asians on screen and it was literally just all about them, where they didn't have to suck at English, where they didn't have to have an (laughs) accent, where they didn't have to be stereotypical. This was a movie that literally could have been about a family from another race or country. That's what we're saying. We wanted regular roles. That's all we wanted. This is a universal movie and it has us as the centerfold, which is amazing. And I think Michelle Yeoh said it best. She was like, we are not a token for diversity. Mm -hmm. It's amazing because she also said the moment has seemed to come for us with contemporary voices. So it's almost, it's almost like 
every American made Asian movie was always about something that had to be Asian, but it was always in the past. It was never an updated contemporary piece. You had Memoirs of a Geisha and uh, Crouching Tiger. What is that? Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah, and Michelle Yeoh was in both of those. Can we talk about how there's so much lack of Asian representation that in any Asian movie, it's always the same actors? I think what's really sad, though, is that a lot of people in the Western media don't know who she is. Uh, Kevin Kwan actually said in an interview that when he went to one of the red carpets, one of the PR people asked if he w- if she was his wife. She didn't know who she was. I already hate them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Michelle Yeoh is a legend, is an absolute legend. And she's an amazing actress, amazing actress. People need to educate themselves. And if you watch any of her interviews, she's so funny. She's amazing. I, I think on the the HuffPost Asian Voices interview, she just kept saying, excuse me, legend coming through, legend yeah. coming through. It was, so funny. <laughs> it was so good. I love people like that. I love people who who are obviously making strides and are still humble about it and can still joke about themselves like that. Exactly. It's so important. It's so important. And then also there was so many cultural aspects and so much character development in this movie that made the characters identifiable. And they represented different kinds of Asians. I know there was controversy on the lack of brown representation, but we'll we're going to cover that, but at the same time, it covered different personalities. And I feel like we've always seen Asian characters depicted in the same kind of underplayed, laid back, quiet personality or super weird personality, Yeah, (laughs) but also quiet. Just, we have such a play on, on a huge spectrum of different kinds of people. So we had Oliver, who was the queer representation. He was fabulous, by the way. Filipino brother, mm-hmm. Nico Santos. Yes. And Aquafina, my girl. She's, she's just herself. She's so funny. Her and Ken Jong play father and daughter, and their chemistry was so good. And they were so funny. It's even good in interviews. <laughs> I know. And and they, they just had, I believe it, Ken Jong even said, they just had this comedic shorthand that didn't need to be explained. And you can see that on film. It's so cool. I think Aquafina is probably one of my new favorite people. She's the dopest. Like, have you seen her My Vag video? Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> That's the video that started everything. And she said it actually got her fired from her last job. Yeah, we could do a whole segment on Aquafina. She's great. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm going to have to check that out. Maybe I'll link that in the show notes. <laughs> it's so funny, but I love her. She had this other song and the hook of it was like yellow bitches in the driver's seat, yellow bitches in the driver's seat. And I was like, I love her so much, so much. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's kind of like that nod to that stereotype of Asian women can't drive. Yeah, but also you never see Asians represented in that having a personality. And that's so important. I think especially it was really important for the female characters because you have that stereotype of a quiet, submissive Asian female. And I don't think we saw one. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? Um, I need to get shirts made that say I'm not your quiet Asian submissive female because that is a huge stereotype that we that all Asians encounter in their 
in their day-to-day life. Like people need to chill out with that fetish. I don't understand that. I don't know where it came from, but I've watched so many cringy documentaries about men seeking Asian wives and they actually say because they're going to be more submissive, they're more quiet, they're more homemaker types. And I'm like, have you met an Asian woman? Have you met an Asian mother? Sorry, I was just throwing up. (laughs) Excuse me, I'm back now. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was actually concerned. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's awful. And 100%. Yeah. Have you ever met a tiger mom? She will claw your fucking eyes. Yes. Yeah. And honestly, that stereotype lingers in your day to day life as an Asian American woman, or just as an Asian woman in general, because my dad's Japanese, my mom's six feet tall. And I played sports my whole life. And I also played sports in college. And so I'm 5'8", like I'm taller than average. I'm jacked. I am very, a lot of people talk about how jacked I am. My little sister has more of the quote unquote, stereotypical Asian build. She's shorter than I am. She's like 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five, and she's very skinny. Oh, she's my height. Yeah. And a lot of people, and she also has a monolid where me and my older sister and my younger brother, they we don't have monolids, but she has one. So she looks more Asian than we do. And people talk to her like she's a child all the time. It's honestly so hard to watch. Oh my gosh, I hate that. Yeah, and it's because... People do that to Asian women a lot because I think one, because they're shorter, so they look smaller, but also a lot of people just think they either don't know English or that Mm -hmm. they have no idea what you're talking about, or they don't have an opinion, or they're just going to agree with you anyway. And I just noticed there's a huge difference in how people talk to me versus how people talk to my little sister. And that's so infuriating. My assistant at work, one of them's actually Vietnamese. She's also shorter. But a lot of people do the same thing to her all the time. They question her and they're more quick to start yelling at her versus they don't really do that to me. But I think it's because I look more ambiguous, but I'm also bigger. I hate that they feel free to lash out at her because they don't expect her to be able to understand or something. Exactly. It's crazy. So if you're any listeners, if you're talking to Asian girls like that, let's just stop doing that now. (laughs) Please stop. (laughs) Yes. Friendly announcement or not so friendly, however you want to take that. But back to the movie, we did get off on a tangent. So what I really loved, my favorite, my favorite favorite scene and I'm so glad they opened the movie with this was when the walked into the hotel and the hotel workers were trying to turn them away and then they get owned by Eleanor Young. Yeah, I actually thought I was watching the wrong movie for a second. <laughs> I was like, is this the opening of the movie? What is this? And then she's like, get him off. The floor is wet. And I'm like, what? where's your mic to drop? I was living for that moment. My jaw dropped when he was like, maybe you should try Chinatown. Oh my gosh. I was so mad. <laughs> but that experience was instantly something you could tell every single person in the room. They were quiet. And you can tell that was something that they have experienced, something along the lines of what they've experienced before. Because people do that a lot. That scene obviously resonated with, it can resonate with any person of color, any oppressed person, because a lot of people have dealt with that. But I don't think Asian racism has been so blatant like that. It's not always depicted. It's nice that we kind of got to see it and see what people have gone through. But it was also nice that she got to slap him in the face afterwards. So that was a really good moment for me. That was probably one of my favorite scenes. But cultural aspects that I really liked that we got to see because it made the characters... 
identifiable, which was something that we were missing in our Asian characters. Asian parents, they don't say I love you. Oh, yeah. My dad does now. They don't say I love you. They say I love you with actions. So, like, when she sees him, he's like, she's like, you're too skinny. Do you eat? Do you want some food? I'll make you some soup. Mm -hmm. That's how they say I love you. I feel like everybody could identify with that in the moment. I I heard a lot of people around me go, oh, my God, that's my mom. Oh, my God, that's my mom. I've seen that a lot with no matter what kind of Asian my friends are. I've seen that a lot. Making sure your child is fed is basically like, I care about you enough to make sure sure you've had food exactly that's your i love you yeah and then other things about families living together like they don't put old people in nursing homes or anything like that and family time together and having strong family ties what and keeping traditions alive like when they were making the dumplings is incredibly crucial and that theme comes up so much throughout the movie uh and i honestly that was another point where i could hear people being like oh my god i've heard that before oh my god i've heard that before so like when they're making the dumplings together and stuff like that and they're talking about how they were forced to learn that stuff because you can't forget that stuff that's how families bond and that's how families keep their heritage alive is making sure that the children learn that stuff and keep passing it on and keep doing it that was also a really big moment for me too i was always envious of watching my friends families getting together and I did get to take part of that as, you know, kind of like an accepted outsider, let your friend come in and do those things because Mm -hmm. I don't have grandparents that are alive. We did kind of have those traditions when I was young. And I've heard a lot of my friends say like their parents forced them to do those things. But now that they're older, they appreciate that they made them do that because they feel like they're so much more connected to their culture because now they feel like that's something they want. Exactly. And, you know, every kid goes through a point in their time where they just want to be like everybody else. And then you go get to a point where you want to be unique and you want to be different and you want to find ways to stand out. And culture is 100% that and I believe I think you tagged me in it but a bunch of my friends actually tagged me this a lot of people I didn't even know tagged me into uh, in this from mixed present but it was this series of tweets this person was talking about how they basically didn't want to be Chinese because they got made fun of and they were just telling different points of their life so the first one was like oh yeah yeah like my father delivered Chinese food to class and I was excited to see my dad but everyone made fun of his accent and the way that he talked Mm -hmm. and they said you don't want to be Chinese and just a lot of different things and then it hit a point where she was like you go to college and you see Asians that are proud to be who they are and you go through this process of reclaiming your culture and wanting to be Chinese and for the first time wanting to be Chinese the next one said you're 25 crazy rich Asians comes out and you're so proud to be Chinese and that's what this movie is it's really just bringing that back for everybody and really just sealing because a lot of people are probably especially who are around the age of 25 are going through that phase of wanting to make sure they are connected to their culture and they're not forgetting their roots this movie is really inspiring them and motivating them more towards that and if anything it's going to keep kids who maybe want to disown that culture a little bit and are going through that weird phase of not wanting to be asian and or whatever and wanting to be like everybody else it's going to keep them from going into that phase and it's going to keep them wanting to be proud of who they are and that's why representation is so important to see people like yourself and to see yourself up on the screen and in history books hearing people like you and grew up in similar situations to you because if you don't see that it doesn't you don't view it at that age as it's a social problem you view it as a me problem there's something wrong with me so when you're trying to form your identity Mm -hmm. you have no idea what to go off of because you're like well do i be just like my parents when you're that age being your parents isn't cool and being your friend's parents isn't cool 
Yeah. But this movie is going to do something where they're going to see people who are not their immediate family and it's going to inspire them to want to hold on to who they are and to keep their roots and to keep their identity. I really hope that does that for a lot of Asian American kids. And I did want to talk about some of the backlash Mm -hmm. leading into that because for some kids growing up, not all Asian Americans are just Asian. We have people like yourself who are mixed with Asian as well. Some of the biggest backlash stateside came against Henry Golding saying he wasn't Asian enough. Mm -hmm. Just to clarify for anyone who doesn't know, he's not necessarily Asian American. He's half British and half Malaysian. And he grew up for a time in his life in Malaysia. And then he moved to the UK. And then he moved back to Malaysia. As a presenter, TV presenter, he went back and forth between Singapore and Malaysia. So culturally, he is Asian. Yeah, he's very culturally Asian. Exactly. And, you know, he put it so good in one of his interviews. He's like, as a mixed Asian or mix anything, you straddle two different worlds and two different cultures that are so different and that are so contrasting. No matter what, when you exist in one of those cultures, you're almost made to feel like you are not enough. And a lot of his backlash was he's not Asian enough. I saw this BuzzFeed video once about where um, they just interviewed a bunch of mixed race Asians and one of the kids in there was half Thai and half black. One of his quotes really stood out to me because it's so true. He was like, I'm not just black. I'm also Asian, but I'm also this other third thing that's neither of those things. And I believe that that's what that not feeling enough of either one culture is because sometimes when you do grow up in a homogenous society, your exposure to one culture is one thing, but then you have this other parent or this other relative exposing you to another perspective. And especially for someone like me, and I'm sure Henry Golding went through the same thing. I had a parent who was a Westerner and I had a parent who was an East Asian. My mom is mostly German. So she is very powerhouse. And so I saw two different perspectives of everything growing Mm -hmm. up. And for a lot of mixed kids, that's what you see all the time. And that shapes who you are because you are able to look outside of a, out of what everyone else is doing because you have this other perspective. And I think for Henry, he's like, well, I just have this other perspective that doesn't make me less of who I am. And that's a huge message for the mixed community because a lot of mixed people get that. Um, A lot of the other admins on Mixed Present, they always get, you're not really black. You're not black enough want to be black, whatever. I'm sure you've gotten stuff like that too. Yeah, I definitely have. I always hear um, I'm not black enough or I'm trying to be white or I'm lighter. So I'm like white passing, which is another issue inside the black community. Mm-hmm. Also on top of that, there's always this there. I always see this um, issue between light skin versus dark skin. And yeah, and then a lot of uh, black people talking about they don't want to be represented by people who are light skin with curly hair because that's not what black is and at the same time it is Mm -hmm. it's an aspect of what it is like and just like henry golding he is an aspect of what another asian is eurasian population in singapore in asia in general yes it's it's not huge but it is growing there's been a lot more i guess race mixing is a way to put it but i really feel like there's a lot of negativity attached to that word but there's been a lot more of that And so we're just going to be seeing more of these mixed race Asians and to tell people that they are not Asian enough when culturally he is, 
And it's just based off the fact that he has one parent who's British. And it's it's this little tedious thing, but suddenly that makes him not good enough to play this role. When this is supposed to be a movie representing all different kinds of Asians. Like we have Nico Santos, we talked about mm-hmm. him. He represents the queer Asian segment. And we were talking and we're not sure, but he's like one of maybe two people that are mixed Asians in the movie. Everyone else is pretty much full. So what is exactly the issue with having, is it because he's the leading man? That's where I'm going to leave our conversation for this week. We had a very long, very good conversation. So keep an eye out for part two of the conversation that will be up next Monday. I will leave all of Soph's social media links in the show notes and on my blog post if you want to go check her out in the meantime. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Some Kind of Brown is now available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Please go ahead and like, subscribe, leave a comment. Your feedback is super important and helpful to me and means the world. Thank you to Purple Planet for the use of the song Love Life. For now, I'll see you next Monday with some more Shades of Brown.